Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. And, and I'm just going to kind of give you a heads up. They're going to morph and change just as we kind of get into a, a rhythm of things. Uh, one of the things that I have in my heart is for this to kind of be really like a life group setting to where it's more intimate, not so churchy, if you will. I mean, I know we're singing and taking up offering and all that, but I want us to really be able to get to know each other and get closer together. And so... Uh, Things we're going to purpose to be intentional in how we do these. And so just bear with us, you know, don't buck change, you know, just kind of roll with the punches, if you will. Uh, The last Wednesday uh, that we come together, one of the things that we're going to purpose to do is pray together. We'll come together, we're going to teach a little bit, and then we're going to pray. And so we've been talking about a particular subject the last couple weeks. And so from that which we're teaching on, we're going to pray from that place. And it will give us a platform by which we can begin to pray and get some things done, all right? So, amen. Are you ready for tonight? So, we've been talking about and we've been ministering on the subject called the believer's authority. Talking about a Christian's authority that they have in Christ. And my wife, she covered for me last week, did an amazing job. Uh, Everybody just loves her, and so I always have to really try to do my best to up her when I get back because she's always so good. So, uh, in fact, she taught for me in the Bible school. People enjoyed her teaching down there as well. So, awesome. Praise God. In fact, I ought to just take more vacations and let you do it. You know. <laughs> Amen. Well, if you recall, my wife went a little bit different direction last week than what I began with. But if you recall, the very first week that we began to talk about this subject of our authority that we have in Christ, we really began to dive into just having a greater understanding of the blood of Jesus. Because the blood of Jesus isn't just something that we talk about from a ceremonial, uh, religious, traditional standpoint. The blood of Jesus is extremely significant in the role of us as believers. And understanding what the blood did for us allows us to have faith in the blood and that what Christ did, therefore giving us authority. And so uh, if you weren't here that night, you can go on the website and listen to that and uh, get caught up to speed. But just in regards to that, uh, to remind us of a, a particular verse that we shared in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, it says, and they overcame him. Him is the enemy. And they overcame him, and they are the believers, the Christians. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. So it says, they overcame the enemy, or overcame him. So God has positioned us to be overcomers. We're not barely just trying to squeak by in this life. We're not victims God said that we're victors and overcomers, but he said the way that we overcome is by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So whenever we look at this subject concerning the authority of a believer, there is the God side and there's the man side. It says they overcame him by the blood. That's the God side. But we can't just rely on God doing everything for us. 
God's not up there saying, well, I'll just let you sit back and do nothing and just let me do everything for you and spoon feed you. No, there's the God part. And then the man side is it says, and they overcame him by the word of their testimony. So in other words, the blood of Jesus empowered them to say something. The blood of the Lamb empowered them to have a testimony, and it says that they were overcoming. So what, are their, what is their testimony? Telling of the goodness of God. I'm overcoming. I'm overcoming. Well, yeah, but, you know, don't you go through things like every one of us do? Yep, sure do, but I overcome every one of them. Amen. Have you ever got sick? Yep, sure have, but I overcome. Have you ever had financial issues? Yep, sure have, but I overcome them. I overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. My testimony or my words that I speak are so significant in the place of the authority that I have in Christ. So in other words, we could also say it this way. Concerning the blood of Jesus, if I'll learn to have faith in what the blood of Jesus did, it will change my words. It will change the way that I talk. It will change the tone in my voice. It will give me a swagger in my walk. It will give me a confidence in who I am in Christ because I know what the blood of Jesus did for me. Remember I said it will change the tone in your voice. Now, give you an example. I don't know about your house, but in my house, when my wife calls the children, there are times when she says and calls them by name. And it's got this nice, sweet tone to it. But then there are times when she calls for a child, and she's already been calling for them for a little bit. The tone changes. And the tone alone demands attention. Do you know what I'm talking about? And before you know it, you see, an, you, you see a child appear real quick because the tone changed in the words, Right? So when we begin to understand our authority, there are those times where you might feel like you want to squall and ball, but then all of a sudden you realize, no, I overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony, and I'm going to get a little bit of vibrato in my, in my conversation here. We're going to get a little bit ugly, amen? Have you ever done that? I mean, yeah, yeah, I've done that before myself, times in prayer. I, I come in here oftentimes, and I'll pray walking across the front in here. I might come in here just kind of like, oh, Jesus, oh, God, oh, please, oh, you know. Before you know it, by the time you stir yourself up, you're like, wait a minute. No, let's get that wine out of the voice. Come on. We're, we're purposing to go somewhere. God sent us here. God, you, you've, you've called us to do something significant, so devil, you just need to get out of the way, Right? You change the way you talk. You ch- the words of which we speak change when we have an understanding of the blood and what the blood has done and how it's been applied to our life. So let's look at this because, again, we're looking at or making reference to what Jesus did to help our words change in the life of a believer. But let's go back to the beginning and actually look at how God intended for it to be. If you have your Bibles, and again, I encourage you to continue to bring them on these Wednesday nights, turn to Genesis, Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, and we'll begin in verse 26. And if you're not familiar with your Bible, Genesis is the very first one. The first part is the glossary and the index, okay? Go beyond that, and then there's Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, 
starting in verse 26. And I want us to look at the picture of God's creation. And the most significant part of God's creation of making the the heavens and making the stars and making the earth and making all the creeping things and all the fish and the birds, the most significant thing of God's creation is when God made man. That's the greatest creation he's ever made. And we see here in verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Now, that's not talking about your husband, okay? (laughs) Verse 27, so God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28, it says, then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be for food. And then in verse 30, also... Uh, To every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. And God saw that everything was good and said that it was good. All right? So this is the story or the beginning of how God created. Now, I want to ask you a question, and it's going to be a loaded question. Because there's going to be the answer which seems to be the apparent answer. But we just read how God created. So let me ask you, what did God use to make creation? There was nothing that existed, and out of nothing he made something. And so what was it that God used to create? His voice. Okay, what else? Anything else you can think of? Words. Spoke it. Okay. So, that is our knee-jerk reaction to say he created with words or he spoke. That was the conduit by which he created. But how he created it was with the substance of faith. Okay? Turn in your Bibles to Mark 11. Let's look at this because, again, we said that God said, right? He made something that was not, something that was nothing, and caused it to have a materiality to it, had substance to where it was now something. So if we look in Mark 11, Mark's Gospel, chapter 11, Jesus gives us a window of how faith operates. He says this here in verse 23. He says, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. When you look at that scripture, believe is mentioned one time 
say or saying is mentioned three times. But it's in conjunction to the things that are not seen being seen, right? So just like we saw God, when there wasn't something that was seen, God used words. But there was no evidence of the things that were seen, correct? All right, so turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Many of you might be familiar with this scripture. But it says in verse 1, now, when you get there, say, I got it. Got it. If you're not there yet, say, just hold on. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 1. It says, now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So the operation of faith is released through words. But it is the substance of faith that created. So my point to you is that faith has a substance to it, a materiality to it that has a creative nature about it. And that when God spoke, faith went into action and the substance of faith brought about that which was not seen into the seen realm. So again, we always say, well, God didn't have anything to make anything with. Oh, he did. He had the substance of faith. And he used his faith or got faith working when he spoke or used his words. You tracking with me? If we drop down in verse 3 in Hebrews chapter 11, notice what it says here. It says, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were made or were not made of things which are visible. Okay. So by faith. So it's interesting the dynamic of words or how powerful words are. We saw here that it says that when God spoke, words framed the world. Right? So let me ask you a question. If you have a frame, what do you put in a frame? What? A picture. So when you have a frame, you put a picture in it, right? And so therefore, faith always has a picture of what it desires, right? But it's words that bring it into materiality. For instance, I, 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 using words... And the power of words. I want you just to listen to my words. And as I listen to them, you can begin to formulate those words in your mind. Okay? So everybody, I want you to think of a dog. I want you to think of, I'm going to describe my dog, okay? My dog is a Karen Terrier. My dog is only about 12 pounds. He's about this big. He's got tannish hair. He's kind of long on the sides. In fact, if you don't know what kind of dog I'm explaining to you or what a Karen Terrier is, just think of Toto from Wizard of Oz. So, every time I gave you words, it formed a greater picture in your mind, didn't it? Because the moment that I said to you, dog, 
Well, you could have thought of all kinds of dogs. But then when I said to you, now a small dog, about 12 pounds, now you might have been thinking St. Bernard, but off the, whoop, it went down to here, right? Because words painted a picture. So when God created, he had a picture in his mind of creation. When he created, he had a picture in his mind of man. And therefore, through the substance of faith, God began to speak and faith was released and began to bring it into, into the present age. Brought it to fruition. All right, you tracking with me? So once again, it's important to understand that because, again, God said that he made us in his image. So if you think about it for just a moment in, in regards to just everything that exists, you're sitting on a chair, right? Well, that chair had to be created. Well, let me just kind of give you an example here. What is it? It's a pencil. What's it made out of? Where did the wood come from? The tree. Well, where did the tree come from? A seed. Where did the seed come from? No, the seed came from a tree. Right? And then it came from a tree. Then it came from a seed. Then it came from a tree. Then it came from a seed. And it goes through for the last several millennia until it got to, came from a tree, came from a seed. God said. Right? The core of this pencil being made out of wood that came from a tree, that came from a seed, came from the very voice of God saying, let there be. Right? And without God speaking and exercising his faith, nothing would be. And so once again, we've got to understand that the Bible says that God has made us in his image and in his likeness. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, I'll just read it to you. It says, who being in the brightness of his glory... And the expressed image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of, the, of, right hand of majesty on high. So the Bible says this. It says, Jesus upholding all things by the power of his word or the word of his power rather. So in other words, what gives, his, gives him power? is his word. And it says this, it says that once he upheld those things, he sat down at the right hand, which is a position of authority. By what? By his words. And let me give you another example concerning the power of words. Now, again, we're looking at it from the perspective of God, of who he is, but we said that the worlds were framed by God's words, Right? So, if his word upholds everything, there's got to be structure to it or stability. Concerning this building, if everybody lives in a house, right? Nobody lives in a cardboard box under a bridge, right? Everybody has a home. Well, inside of your home, you might be looking at drywall and windows and doors and all those fancy things that you got hanging on the wall. But what keeps that house up? It's the framework on the inside. Do you see the framework? You don't. But that was the very beginning and the foundation of your house. If it wasn't your, for your frame that is upholding the house, you would have drywall that's just kind of flopping in the wind and the first wind that comes, everything goes down, right? 
So God's word is what upholds all things. But then once again, God says, I made man in my image, in my likeness. He said, I made him to be like me. It goes on to say this. In Genesis chapter 1, in fact, I'm, let me just make sure. All right, Genesis chapter 1, before I go on to that point. If you recall, the Bible says this. When he made man, he says, I want you or I've made you to have dominion. And I've also made, said, well, let me read it to you for the sake of not getting it wrong. He says, have dominion and subdue it, right? He said, I made man, have dominion and subdue it. So the very moment that God made man, that word dominion means authority. So the moment man came alive, he says, have authority. And then the next word he said was, now subdue it. That word subdue means conquer. Well, I thought God just made a perfect place. I thought God just made this brand new creation. What does he have to conquer? The enemy was in the garden as well. So, have authority and conquer. The only way or reason you're going to have to conquer is because somebody is going to challenge your authority. Right? And we see that. We see that the moment that man was walking in the garden, there came a time when the enemy came and tempted man and challenged his authority for the whole point of stealing his authority. Are you tracking with me? So God said, I've made you like me. I've caused you to have dominion, to have authority, to conquer, to live this life. Now, if you recall, the Bible says that Adam and Eve fell, right? Now, do you recall what God said when they fell? He says, you're going to have to leave the garden here. But then he addressed the enemy after that. He said to him, he says, there's a seed that's coming. He says, you're going to bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. Remember that? He said, there's going to be a seed that comes. And he's going to take the authority you got. And then we see throughout the scriptures, time and time again, God keeps saying, there's a seed coming. There's a seed coming. There's a seed coming. God says, the Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. God says, the Savior's coming. The Savior's coming. And God keeps declaring and saying with his words, as to what's coming. And then we finally see in John chapter 1 where the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14 says, And He became flesh and dwelt among us. So, the Bible tells us that from the very beginning, God was establishing and reestablishing the way for us as his people, to regain our authority. A seed's coming. Jesus is coming. And it is the Word. Jesus is the Word of God in flesh. Amen? All right. So keeping with that or understanding that, uh, if 
God in the way that he said he creates things or makes things happen is by his words or using his faith through his words. And he continued to say and continued to say until the seed showed up, meaning Jesus. Then wouldn't it do us a whole lot of good if we would take our cues from God and just learn how to say and how to say and how to say and how to say all the while using our faith until we see God do what he says he will do. How many times have you went to God and said, okay, God, here's what your word says. I'm going to believe you. And then a day and a half goes by. God, it's not working. How come it's not working? How come you don't love me? How come you always do it for them and not for me? Were you really in faith? No, you got in doubt and unbelief real quick. But when you're operating in faith, your words engage with what God says. Amen. God, you said, therefore, I believe. That settles it. Amen. All right, so in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, we see that once the substance of faith was released and it created the world, everything else began to function from that place. So in other words, everything comes from the earth. Now again, this is just a little side thought. Because oftentimes we're praying for God to do things. But how many of you know that when God answers prayers, it don't come from heaven? They don't. If you need money, is it going to come Federal Express on, you know, FedEx and Golden Chariots <laughs> coming out? No, it's coming out of the earth. God's going to use this earth to be a blessing to you, right? But then once again, understanding, I've got an authority that I can use in this earth to start to move those things in this earth. Now, we'll look at that in just a little bit here uh, in times to come. All right, so concerning this authority, authority is transferred and authority is conferred by words. Therefore, God said, I'm making man in my image. How did he do it? By speaking. He used faith, but he used his words. That is the one significant thing about you and I as human beings. We are speaking spirits. Why? Because that's what God is. God is a spirit, but he's a speaking spirit. And when he speaks, things happen, right? And if we're made in his image and his likeness, we've got to begin to understand that there are power in, there's power in our words that begins to create things. And if you don't think that's true, you might be thinking, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not tracking with you, Pastor. I don't understand what you're talking about. Just think about the times that you were in your home and your wife says to you, does this make me look fat? And the way you answered that using your words created a whole thing in the house. Right? Your words have the ability to create. And my wife, again, this is kind of a constant theme. I can't talk about you. I won't talk about me. 
you know, my wife, she'll say to me, how was the food? I'm like, it was good. And me saying it's good means I liked it. But for her, good is not great. If I really liked it, I'd have used the word great. Well, you didn't like it? You didn't like my meatloaf? What's the matter with me? I said it was good. Yeah, but you just said it was good. You didn't say it was great. So what's the matter with it? I'm thinking, dear God, what did I do wrong here? You know, I said it was good. Or just like how I said concerning the tone in your voice, you use your words and you say, you say to your wife, anything wrong? No, nothing's wrong. Nothing. Well, something's wrong. No, there's not. (laughs) Something's obviously wrong. Shut up. Leave me alone. Nothing's wrong. (laughs) So do you understand that your words have the ability to create? How many people have you heard of, or statistically speaking, that if you tell your children you're stupid, you're dumb, you're ugly, you're no good, they will grow up believing the words that you instilled and imparted into them, and that will be who they become because of what you spoke into their life. Right? As a pastor, you can tell me all day long. You can say, Pastor, that was an awesome message. Oh, praise God, that was good. And it will bless me, and I'll be so happy. But when my wife says, man, that was good. I mean, you can't get me out of the clouds, man. It's like, man, she said that was good today. Right? Because of that. <laughs> yes, there you go. <laughs> I'm going to use it the next time. It's not great. What's up with that? Yeah. are you tracking with me see our words create why do they create because God said I made you to be like me you're a speaking spirit and when you speak things begin to be set in motion because of how I made you and so God is endeavoring to get us back to this understanding that God made us made man To be an individual that is a speaking spirit that has authority. And when we talk, we take our position of authority and we subdue and we conquer. Listen, if you just let the enemy walk all over you and you keep silent, you will lose by default because you don't say nothing. The Bible says we overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. What's your testimony? What Jesus said about you. If you don't know what Jesus said about you, you don't have a testimony. Come on. Listen, this is just a side thought here. The Word of God is your blueprint as to finding out who you are in Christ. In the New Testament alone, there's over 130 verses in Him, in whom, or in Christ, which tells you who you are in Christ. What you have, who you are, and what you can do. And so if you don't know who you are in Christ, you can't exercise the authority that God gave you. And the only way you find that out is through the Word of God. Now, I'm going to say something real strong to you right now. But the Word of God is how you grow and how you grow spiritually. Sitting in church does not grow you up spiritually. So you might be here and you say, you know, man, I've been in church all my life. I'm older I've been around the block, and you might think, man, I'm the senior dude around here because I've been in church. But here it comes. If you don't have a steady diet of the Word of God in your life, you're a spiritual baby, an infant. Well, wait a minute. I've been in church for 40 years. Baby, you still got your diapers on. 
And I know that's offensive sometimes when we think, how dare you say that? The Word of God is your lifeline of spiritual maturity. If you never crack this book, if you don't know how to use this thing, you're a baby. Amen? Are you saying? Again, that's not to be mean. That's just truth. And you wonder why so many churches, you know, their, their, their people are beat up, just going through the mud. It's because they don't know who they are in Christ. They don't know what they have. They don't know what Jesus came to do from them. They hear a good preach message at church, and they, they, they leave feeling good and like, woohoo! I don't know what I'm woohooing about, but I think it was good. Right? We've got to learn who we are in Christ. And part of that is to understand that God made us in his image and his likeness. I'm going to finish with this. Just a couple points here. We saw that God made us in his image and in his likeness. We see that when God first made man, he made him from the dust of the ground, right? Made the physical body. The body was just the shell. He did not become a living spirit until God breathed into him. And once God breathed into him, he became a living spirit. Okay? So, man was made with a body. And he made us with a body for a specific reason. Remember, God says, I've given you dominion. Now go conquer. And the way that God made man is significant to every other creation, even God himself. And that is, is that God placed us in this earth, put us in a physical body. Therefore, it gives us authority on the natural realm. But he also put within man a soul. Now, because we're in this earth, we have authority in the soul realm. But because we are a living, speaking spirit that's born again, renewed by, the, by, by Christ, we, are now, we now have authority in the spiritual realm. So man is the only created thing that has authority on three levels. Do you understand what I'm talking about? So in this natural earth, I can use my authority. What does that mean? That means when sickness and disease comes in this physical body, oh, no, you don't. I've got authority. When depression comes and starts to oppress your emotions and your feelings, oh, I've got authority. Don't have to go there either. And when the devil comes and says, oh, you think you're going to heaven? He know what you did last week. You ain't even saved. Oh, wait, Mr. Devil, let me just tell you. I've got authority in the spirit realm too. I've been saved, born again, received Christ, and so I know that I'm going to heaven, so shut up, Right? God's given us authority. So that brings me to this point, and we'll pick up here next week. That's why Jesus had to be born as a physical man. Because apart from being born a physical man, he would not have authority in the natural realm. And therefore, when he was crucified, he was crucified physically. He laid down and gave up his spirit. And because of that, he was able to transfer and confer that authority back to us. If you recall what we shared in uh, for the first week, it says that Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers. But in chapter 2, it says, and he has seated us, 
together with him. So, Jesus has taken his place, but he says, you're right here with me. And we'll continue to look next week as to the significance of our words because our words are so significant in exercising our authority. Like I said, if you're quiet, if you don't use your voice, you'll lose by default. And so we've got to learn how to talk right. Amen? Amen. All right, did you get anything out of tonight? All right, give me a few things. Anybody shout something out to say this is, I, I, yes. Sure, absolutely. We can get you hooked up with that for sure. Yes. We walk by faith and not by sight. Absolutely. Knowing that God's faithful to his word for sure. Amen. We have authority. Amen. Who else? You overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. So again, I've got to get my mouth working in the right way to overcome. Amen. One more. Anybody? Absolutely. That's right. If you, if you allow circumstances to overwhelm you based upon what you see, you'll hook your mouth up with what you see in a negative way, and you'll have what you say. It will just be what you don't want. Absolutely. Yep. It'll change the way that you talk. I'm reminded of, uh, anybody know who Oral Roberts is? Some of you may know who he is. He, one of, I think it was his oldest son. He just got out of the military, and he was going to the car lot wanted to buy a new vehicle, and uh, when he got to the uh, car lot, he, he, he said, this is the kind of car that I want, and he said, uh, I went to a couple different places, and he said, they told me I couldn't get a car. He said, I thought for sure I'd be able to get a car. You know, I just got out of the military, have some money saved up, and every time I went to the bank, they said, no, we won't, we won't uh, provide you the line of credit. He said, so he went to his dad. He says, dad, would you know it, that the last one that I went to, he said, uh, I've been being told no everywhere that I go. He said, would it make a difference if I told you I was Oral Roberts' son? And he says, will it make a difference in you getting a car or not? And he ended up getting a car. The moral of the story is, is that his father had reputation or had credibility. Just on my own and trying to do it on my merits, wasn't able to do it. But the moment when I said, I'm in relationship with him, and you know that he's got credibility or you believe in him, now you believe in me, that's how it is with us in Christ. If you try to live this life all by yourself without the help of God or understanding who you are and that's at work with you, then you'll go and try to do things all by yourself and you'll get yourself in a hole so deep you can't get out of. But when you understand, man, I've got him backing me, and man, things got to move out of the way for me. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, guys, uh, I think it's just about that time. Whatever that time is, so we'll let you go, all right?
subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites, which can be found at our website, gvchurch.tv. We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.